Everybody, welcome to We've Got to Beat, the podcast devoted to 80s entertainment from... Oh, fuck me in the year with a rubber deer! <laughs> I mean, you were doing okay for a while, but Oh my god, let's, uh... Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got to Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment from the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, the idiot, and the smart one on the other side is Mindy. <laughs> Yay! I'm the smart one! <laughs> You're always the smart one, shut up. <laughs> Oh my god, I just, I don't understand how sometimes I have it sewed together and sometimes it just like, fart knockers, you know, just my brain turns to... I believe, I believe you might have a little bit of, uh, you know, ADHD. Maybe, but I'm also so tongue-tied. Is there such thing as verbal dyslexia? Is that a thing? Because I feel like whatever's in my head does not come out. I don't know. We've always talked about that, like your brain works faster than your mouth. I don't know if there's like a real thing yeah there's a real name for okay. it but. well i guess we just march on you guys should be used to it by now for fuck's sake we've been doing this for two years and i've flubbed almost every single episode it also doesn't make you dumb like i like know well we all know that i'm very i have a lot of self-hatred so yeah let's work on that yeah all yeah. right so <laughs> speaking of self-hatred and depression <laughs> let's talk let's about the talk movies about of the- martin huh Let's talk about Martin. Yeah, my and <laughs> um, did you watch the third movie? By the way, I'm just curious. The one I kind of didn't decide, but I just kind of brought up in conversation. Nah, dude, I think it was too late. Okay, uh, I don't even remember what it was. So this is bananas. So this is going out of the realm of what we normally do. This is reflecting on the teen years by discussing. I can't fucking believe that Disney, with all their divisions at the time. Uh, Miramax, Dimension, uh, Touchstone, of course, Disney, and Hollywood Pictures. And in one year, they put out three high school reunion movies. Two of them released the same month. And the other one got pushed back for another year, and eventually they sold it to their television division, HBO, or not HBO, I'm sorry, ABC, and then eventually just put it on a video. Uh, nobody knows since you've been gone. Nobody knows about this movie. It went straight to video as far as no, we knew. It says it's on television. Yeah. But, um, Even though it has actors that, you know, I like. Yeah, David Schwimmer wrote and produced it, and uh, he was offered uh, the lead in Men in Black. He was offered Will Smith's role, what? I kid you not. He turned it down because he promised his uh, old theater friends from college and, you know, just local theater in Chicago that he was going to make a movie with them. And frankly, it's not a bad movie. It's just, you know, they had already hit it on the head twice, and it only did okay. Um, and I think it's actually more honest uh, than the other two movies, but it's not focused on any particular characters. It's just a huge ensemble of like 15 characters, so it's a little unfocused. Um, but if you run across it, it's really good. Laura Flynn Boyle, it's probably her best performance ever. She's so fucking hilarious. Um, but the two big ones that everybody knows is Gross Point Blank and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. And I, like, didn't you say they were literally like two weeks apart? Uh, I think so. They, I mean, I didn't realize that they came out in the same year, uh, let alone as close as they did. How, just how strange. Very, yeah. very, uh, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, but also so. Disney's marketing team must have been like, oh, well, how do we sell this differently? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but they I are. I mean, dare, I dare say that. Uh, they didn't do a great job of selling either one. Yeah, they, they did okay in theaters, but they were also kind of pricey. I think a lot of it's the music rights. 
you know, $15 million for Gross Point Blank, $20 million for Romeo and Michelle. But also you can see there's a bit of better production value in Romeo and Michelle than there is Gross Point. And apparently it's sacrilege that I prefer Romy over Gross. I think there's more sincerity in all the ridiculousness of Roy and Michelle than there is in Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank seems to be a little too focused on being cool. And I don't care for any of the gunfights. They seem like they're low-rent John Woo ripoff kind of stuff. Well, I feel like Romy and Michelle, like, they talk a talk about uh, being obsessed with being cool. But in the end, it kind of celebrates how not cool they are like just being themselves yeah and do you want to start off with that one it actually has a message <laughs> yeah yeah sure um so Romeo and michelle uh there is these moments where they really sell them as kind of dits and i feel like that was something that the studio really wanted to focus on because it was like their female version of dumb and dumber but it's anything but and i think that at the heart of the two characters there's so much love uh, you know, for each other, but also for the world. They just seem like they're really happy people. But then this whole high school reunion thing totally just throws it in the air and all of a sudden they become incredibly insecure and neurotic. And they're right. I mean, I'm going through this right now. I'm and not a high school reunion because I'm never going to go to that fucking thing. Um, I skipped the 20th. You're having, but you're having a life reunion. Right. But some of it feels like that. And... Mind you, I've only seen the people who've known me this whole time. Like, there was no separation point where there was information lost. Like, hey, whatever happened to, you know, like those. Right. But uh, at the place I work at, there's someone that's, that comes there all the time that I went to high school with. But I didn't know her. And she didn't know me. Ooh. At some point, because I mean, we had such a huge high school. I mean, it was ridiculously large. True, yeah. Um, yeah. But we didn't know each other whatsoever. But... There was still that nervousness, like, ooh, what if she knows someone I know, and then she says how my life is going, and I feel like I should almost make something up, but I didn't, but I also, like, kind of wanted to keep that in. I got nervous, because on paper, I kind of had an awfully big adventure, you know? If, I mean, sorry, not not on paper, uh, verbally, like, the, the places I've gone, but if you're to write down what I've done for jobs and stuff like that, and, oh, not married, no kids, it kind of looks like I'm a failure. But I've, I got I out. I got out and I went on these great adventures and met people of all kinds all over the world, but they all came to where we lived. You know, we lived in touristy places, so you got to meet all yeah. kinds of people and try all kinds of foods and see things that no one else saw. So that's it's sort of like the life of Martin too. He did all those things, but he didn't have a wife, a kid, you know, a home. Like it doesn't appear that he had a lot to show for it, but it's just not that simple. Yeah, and. I, I get where all of them are coming from because they kind of don't want to deal with their past for different reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Martin Martin's is a fuck-up, uh, and the fact that he felt like he was suffocating in this small little town, and then Romy and Michelle were like, we just we don't want to go back to those years where we felt like, well, who is it? Which one of them didn't know that they were losers? It was Lisa Kudrow's character, right? Michelle? Yes. like she, Yeah, she, de she definitely has a point where she said, until you said something, I thought we had a great life. I thought we, we were happy and we had fun. And I didn't care about what other people thought, you know. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe it's a little naive. But, you know, who cares? Like, that's probably a better way to live instead of always, like, comparing yourself yeah. and, and worried about what other people think. And, and I think that they're wired a little differently emotionally because... 
I shouldn't be so depressed about the fact that I came back. I got to leave. I got to go. But for some reason, my brain is so wired for depression and failure that that's what I keep feeling over and over. But I'm free. I don't have these things that are tying me down. I got to go do things that no one else did. And I get where they're coming from. Michelle seems to be fine. But Romy is just locked in on those girls that made fun of her and the boy that she never got and, and stuff like that. And it's not just her, though. No one really mentions it, but Janine Garofalo, even though she's not on screen as, as much as the other two are, this is also, like, her movie. I mean, she had just come off of uh, The Truth About Cats and Dogs, and I think this was a really good role. only problem is I feel like she kind of got pigeonholed in this kind of character a lot. Yes. Yeah. Angry. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, was she like that in real life? I have no idea. Um, but it does seem like after this, she kept getting roles like this. And even though she kept, you know, I, I think she's better than some of the stuff they give her, especially like the last decade where I don't even know what they're doing with her. I, I just, I think that because she was shorter and she was, uh, smarmy and kind of like darker that studios didn't know what to do after truth about cats and dogs. Sometimes I feel like she's a female pivot. Yeah. Except maybe, you know. <laughs> Hopefully she hasn't burned any bridges like Piven because something, something happened between Piven and Cusack. Cusack. How do you say it? Cusack? Cusack. I mean, I always thought it was Cusack, but I don't yeah. know. I'm not, I'm notorious at pronouncing names wrong. Yeah, but so I've I, heard Jones' name said Cusack, so I was thrown off. But, um. I don't know. Uh, I forgot my, oh, Trey, oh yeah, what is it? This is like the first time I think you and I noticed that he had done a couple movies prior with John Cusack. And then it continued afterwards, but then it dead stopped. I think, what was it, Runaway Runaway Jury, I think, is the last time they worked together. But they had done, like, seven movies together. And I'm always curious well, what I mean, happened between the two they of them. Were, they were best friends growing up. His, um, Jeremy Piven's parents ran, a like, a theater group in Chicago, which is, I think, where they all got started together. And, uh, you know, they grew up together, so they were, like, best friends. At least from what I've read, like, yeah. Since they were kids, since they were probably like teenagers or kids, and you know, I mean, stuff happens. I feel like to me, it seems like something happened to John Cusack too. That like maybe he got tired of the rat race and the bad roles, and uh, you know, he just took a step back. And I'm not 100% sure that he has the greatest attitude. Yeah, sums up. Did you notice, like, it's always strange when an actor has two huge successes right in a row because he had 2012, mind you, not a good movie, but it made a crap ton of money. And then right yeah. after that was Hot Tub Time Machine. I think it was in that order. Maybe it was the other way around. Um, he was riding high, and then it was uh, The Raven, The Numbers Station, uh, Frozen Ground, yeah. and just like uh, lower, lower, lower. Movies that were starting to get barely released, and then he disappeared. Paperboy. The paper boy. The paper. Oh, jeez. But he did God, that. that uh, never... He did. Um, what's the the Beach Boys movie? That Love and. My God, Love and Mercy. That love and Mercy. So good. That should have saved his career, but clearly he just now he does these movies where he's always wearing a hat and shades because fifty percent of the time he's on screen is actually his stand-in. Oh, yeah, and then he bad. just does, like, you know, a few days shooting, whatever. Maybe he just got burnt out on it. Maybe people just don't want to act forever. I mean, look at Gene Hackman. He just said one day, like, fuck it, I'm never coming back. <laughs> I mean, I think that, that, I know we're digressing a lot from what we originally started with, but I think, you know, this the kinds of expectations that exist in Hollywood, 
and, and of human beings, it's just not right and not fair. And it's like some people just decide, like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't live this life. Yeah. Maybe that's what he just decided. You know, he's been in it for, for 30 years, you know? This uh, Gross Point Blank was his kind of comeback. Do you remember, like, for a while there, he was doing these smaller movies that weren't getting much attention? I think Bullets Over Broadway may have been the only one that got any attention because it was a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's always kind of just like... I mean, he was... He was I would dare say... If the most mainstream thing he ever did, maybe, was 1408... Yeah, it was way out. Dogs, c- runaway, I mean, I guess maybe there's a few mainstream yeah, things. Yeah, he there. almost but ended for up. For the most part, he wasn't like that. He yeah. was kind of all over the place. He was almost Mad Mardigan in Willow. Did you know that? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, he got really that close, and then he just says, screw this, and then he just did a supporting role in Eight Men Out. And while it didn't make a ton of money, that was critically acclaimed. So it seemed like he was very respected by Hollywood uh, you know, filmmakers and his, his fellow castmates and stuff like that. And he kept doing these really intelligent movies that didn't make a lot of money. But this is the one where all of a sudden like a studio, a real studio, is putting money behind it. They promoted this pretty heavily, I remember. And I you know, like they were talking about the soundtrack and magazines and stuff like that. He seemed like he was like cool, and cool is hard to sell in Hollywood, like legitimate cool. And all of a sudden, like he's doing Con Air, and he's just getting bigger and bigger studio films, and he's getting also yeah. some studio cred or uh, indie cred from like doing um, being John Malkovich and uh, what's the one he did follow this up with the record uh, uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity. So a while there, John Cusack seemed like he was cooler than cool, and this movie really did help. Uh, I think he's a lot of fun in it, but what I where I think the movie fails is, with the exception of that cool uh, fight sequence in the lockers, uh, I think the gun shootouts are really fucking stupid and of that moment. They look like they're low-rent John Woo ripoffs, and not in a spoof way. Like these, And I, I really think Dan Aykroyd's goddamn terrible in this. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's supposed to be Woody Woodpecker. Is that what it is? Is he a cartoon villain? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I had years and years and years where I was just like, John Cusack was my favorite actor. I, I, saw, I, I saw almost everything he had ever done. I mean, until the last few years when it's just uh, not appealing. Yeah. But... Like, I mean, I think what really makes this movie good is is more of the supporting cast. Like, Joan Cusack and Alan Arkin are more interesting to me than um, him. Yeah. I don't think this would be nearly as fun of a movie because even though it's good, Martin is an interesting character. You know, I find John Cusack bizarrely charming. Um, but, uh, at the same time, it's just like, he's, yeah, it feels like he's focused more on being cool than being a fully fleshed character. Yeah. And it doesn't really help that the director of this is George Armitage, who, if you look at his filmography, really only did movies like once a decade, maybe twice if he's lucky. And right before this, he did this kind of sociopath movie with, um... Uh, Alec Baldwin called uh, Miami Blues, and yeah, I kind of remember that. I feel bit. like he takes a little bit of that. There's a there's a disconnect, but maybe it's also the fact that his character is a, a hired gun. You have to be yeah. disconnected a little bit. But he does keep saying it's not me. 
or something like that. You know, it's not it's not my fault. I'm hired to do this. Like you felt a little regretful and sorry. Like don't blame me. I'm sorry. It's just this is what I have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not an enjoyable movie, and I had not watched it in a long time, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, I you know, but it, it to me it was more like. Yeah, the uh, more of the stuff that I found enjoyable w- was the weird, like just the weird little stuff, like when he went to his childhood home and it like it was now like a cookie mart or whatever, yeah. like and the awkwardness there was like not necessarily the fight sequences, but you know the 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 therapy sessions all over the phone and you know uh, Joan Cusack bizarre reactions like intense reaction or like uh wing from flight helpful to like screaming at them over the phone of or whatever yeah so it's just like it was the little details that they put into it that were more interesting to me than the like like fight sequences right i think the soundtrack is absolutely amazing didn't you have this soundtrack i feel like you did i still have it oh okay yeah i really love it i didn't know there was a sequel uh sequel soundtrack and i'm kind of excited about that too because i just think it's a really well it's also put together by joe strummer and the dude knew music and he had a lot of you know oh yeah the guy from clash come on it really it really introduced me to stuff that i had no clue about so i yeah i'm deeply thankful for the soundtrack for opening my eyes to a lot of new stuff yeah i'm looking here over at uh the other movie and i i just i just love romeo and michelle i feel so sorry for them i love them I, I feel like if i was in high school i would love to be their best you know their friend or whatever i just they're so adorable and and sweet and uh also i think david merkin is a better director now mind you he's hardly directed anything but he did this in heartbreakers and fuck you already win you win <laughs> that's it if those are only two yeah, movies you, you drag know, you win <laughs> the, the thing that is interesting to me is that for gross point blank what you find out about the past you only hear out they only mention they only talk about and it doesn't have the same effect as Romy and Michelle when their flashback you see it it's more visceral to 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 actually see them being bullied in the in the stupid shit they go through. I mean, yeah, they're still like the adult versions of them. You're supposed to believe that they're 16 year old, but and, and you know, suspension of disbelief, whatever. But I just feel like being shown is often a lot more effective at, um, at getting, uh, you know, to more of an emotional core being shown than being told. Yeah, it's totally different storytelling style. The, uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think David Merck, and I'm looking him up right now, and like I only knew him for the two movies he did, Heartbreakers and this. And they're both minor successes. Um, before this, he had done a bunch of TV show like uh, Get a Life and The Edge, which was a short-lived um, sketch comedy show with Jennifer Aniston, of all people. But he's been uh, running Simpsons for like the last decade, so that's pretty fucking cool. No, for the last... What is this? Since 1995, he's been... Oh, 95 to 2000, then, okay. So, yeah, he's uh, worked on 475 episodes of The Simpsons, so good on him. I was worried because he never had another directorial job that he was just, like, thrown away, like a lot of good directors. I'm just going to say, 
Heartbreakers. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That movie is comedy gold. It is. I just got it in the mail today. Uh, it's going out of print, so pick it up if you can. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I might have a copy of it. I'll double check. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's better production values. The, the soundtrack isn't as good. It's not as cool, but... The the dance sequence alone, holy shit! How much? How awesome is that? <laughs> and it doesn't make any but sense. It, it's not supposed to make sense. It's so silly. It just happens, and that's the magic of that movie. Again, you know, suspension of disbelief. You just have, you know, there's just some things that you just have to accept. That like, um, not everything is, you know, just take a step back from reality and just enjoy it yeah the uh the whole thing with the money kind of made me a little nervous like they were trying to tell you the only reason she wanted to be with him now is because of the money but then at the end then at the end though she doesn't really sell herself out or nor does he sell you know like they don't make that huge compromise just for money he loans them the money. He doesn't give them the money. He loans them the money so they can open their own business because he believes in them. And at no point do you see that they're in a relationship. Like, she's just a gold digger. And I kind of appreciated that, that she was still able to stand on her own two legs. Yeah, uh, it did It did seem a little bit like, yeah, if she's suddenly interested in him because not necessarily that he had money, but, like, he just was super... He made a super impressive entrance, you know. Yeah. And and um, it was just it was kind of interesting how like they all had their own like kind of tormentors, and they were all like not all of them, but some of them were fixated in different ways. Like you know the the popular girls drove Romy insane, and then uh, Romy and Michelle drove what's the what was her character Heather name? Mooney. Um, Heather Mooney. Heather's. And then she drove that other girl and thing who was played by Cameron. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Tommy! She, tor- <laughs> she tormented her, but yet she did, it didn't affect her in the same way. Except for except for when she was just said, "Please don't say, please don't say this to me. It really hurts my feelings." And she was just like, her reaction wasn't really the appropriate reaction. No, but she also she was like, back. "Oh, well, at least she aware." She said, "Oh, I did hurt somebody's feelings." Son of a- <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so maybe maybe not every like lesson here was the right lesson, but I think in the in the end it like it really did have some like a message and a purpose as opposed to Girls Point Blank, which yeah. I don't really think it did at all. And Justin Thoreau, baby Justin Thoreau is the cowboy. I, know. I didn't even oh notice God. it at first and I was like, wait a second, mm-hmm. is that <laughs> I have uh, no clue, and I didn't. I didn't remember so many of these people in the movie. There was just like little, you know, little um, sort of like cameos that I wasn't expecting. Like, like one of the popular girls is like, well, I didn't even know, never even saw her until so many years later when she was a, a, a big character in, in True Blood, and I was just like, oh wow. I didn't know he was. Oh, okay. I know like, you're talking about. Yeah. At least like ten years later, and then you know Vincent, whatever, however you say his name, Vitresca. Yeah. Oh, invisible. Yeah, that, the short-lived. The, I thought it was fantastic, and for some reason it just didn't last. I don't know if sci-fi just didn't have the chance, the, the the finances to keep it going. But thank God, it's one of the few few shows that's short-lived like that that they gave a true ending for. And and then I have no idea what ever happened to him since. But he's great as I Billy. Mean, he's such a fucking delusional he's, loser. 
But just isn't it interesting? Like it's also about perspective. I mean, about perspective. Just like I was saying, like Michelle was just like, I didn't know that our there was anything wrong with the way we lived our lives since you said that you you know that it that it was. And for him, it was just like seeing him at his his true self was very eye opening for her. She just I just think Romy needed a lot of perspective. Yeah. The, I didn't know this, that Tony Collette was actually up for uh, Romy's role first, but the studio offered it to Mira Sorvino because she had just come off of winning the uh, the Best Supporting Actress. Oh, I kind of uh, forgot that it even happened. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think most people did. I mean, I didn't know where she is now. I feel like she popped up in something recently that surprised me. Like, she was a bad guy in something. I thought I watched it at your house. Hmm. I can't remember. She was, it was in a junkyard, and she comes out with a gun or whatever, and turns out she's a dirty cop. I'm going to look right now instead of guessing. Uh, Stuber. Never mind. I didn't watch it at your house. Stuber. Oh, yeah, you didn't watch. I have seen that, but I didn't remember that. I'm sure. All I mean, right. she's doing stuff, yeah. but... Well, some people just need to walk away for a while. And while also, we treat older actresses like fucking garbage. Jeez, Louise, like the only older actress we've uh, ever given any love to is Goldie Hawn. And even she disappeared for a while. I can't look at her face anymore. It hurts. Um, I just watched Death Becomes Her, and I'm going to tell you that might be the best movie of 1992. Holy shit, it's so much better now than I ever re- remembered it being. It's so dark and demented and fucking hilarious. That's on a tangent. Um, is there anything that you, I mean, like, do we... Do you want to wrap this up? Yep. We haven't been talking about this stuff for very long. Yeah, no, I feel like uh, sometimes we wander off the ranch too much and then it's just time to land the plane, you know. Uh, Those two uh, metaphors don't go together at all. Um, But also, I need to mow the yard. Okay, that's weird. All right. Uh, So the next episode is going to be Good Burger and Dude, Where's My Car? I think it's the first time in a while we already knew what we wanted to do. Before the episode ended. Yes, I can't wait. I love Good Burger. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I only have seen it actually within the last few few years. Oh. It definitely was was not like, um, I think I was just too old, you know, when that came out, when that was on TV and stuff. I was just over, I was over like Nickelodeon by that point. Uh-huh. But I watched it, but I, but it, I, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's yeah, good. I kept thinking I mean, like. It's, it's, it's just silly, but... Yeah, there's a lot of dude duos that they are kind of sweet and innocent and goofballs and stuff like that, because I thought about Meet the Deedles, maybe, and then there's the girl version oh, with yeah. Dick. Uh, I almost think there could be... We could do another episode of just goofy buddy... Well, there's Dumb and Dumber. Oh, God. we can, Let's just do a whole bunch... A slew of buddy films. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Road Trip and buddy okay. movies are probably the best on the planet. I mean, my, my favorite are ice movies, but I've got room in my heart for it all. Yep. <laughs> all right, that is it, everybody. <laughs> uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and all social... I know, I tried to quit Twitter. Shut up. Um, and all sort of uh, podcast apps at Hit Rewind, and uh, subscribe, share, and comment. Um, if there's any movies that we've missed, uh, because we're kind of moving out of the 80s, but if there's anything from the 80s that we, you really want us to do that we haven't got to yet, just let me know. Because I'm ready to just throw that into the bin, you know, the storage bin or whatever, and just stay in the 90s and 2000s for now. I mean, you know, whatever strikes us is really what happens, but I feel like we did a lot of 80s movies there. So, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff to cover, but 
uh, we just sort of bounce around and what like is interesting. Yeah, we usually do the like, anniversaries. We make sure we cover the anniversaries. Well, and that's then, true. Yeah, and then fill in like if someone dies, we try to do a tribute to them, that kind of stuff. So it's it's a little mishmash. It's not like the other the other podcasts where we're going from 1980 and we're in 1992 now. We're so we're just you know going up through the years. Yeah, I don't need that much uh, like. Uh, organization in my yeah. life. I like to be you, more you have, about it. You have a better memory and you're more organized in your head than I ever will be. So I'm sure at some point that I'm like, I don't remember if I even did this movie or not, you know? <laughs> well, sometimes I do have to ask you that too, but, but uh, you, I, I don't know. You, I feel like you remember everything, even from when, like 30 years ago. So, well, yeah, if it's pop culture, it's better. If it's a family member, nope. <laughs> and on that note, time to wrap it up. All right, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>